Ciao, Bellissimi Enthusiastic Humans. We are Enthusiasm.World. A Berlin-based discussion podcast that aims to liberate consciousness by deconstructing modern themes and exploring new modes of existence. A disclaimer, our equipment is basic, our studio is everywhere, we are a non-professional collective often comprised of strangers, the kind of thing that happens when you drink too much and everyone becomes your friend and then you get into those discussions about things that you normally wouldn't discuss but maybe read an article about. Strangers united by curiosity and imagination. Call us amateurs, call us outliers, just don't call us bored. I'm your host, an anonymous face in the crowd. And this episode's theme, Anarchy 2.0. Anarchy has been given a bad name. That was our tagline for this event. The venerable Russian writer Leo Tolstoy stated that anarchy is a form of government in which public and private consciousness is alone sufficient to maintain order and guarantee all liberties. Our modern renaissance man, Elon Musk, has recently stepped forward and stated that he's a utopian anarchist. And what about all this blockchain buzz? Tech has paved the way for a civilization in which many systems could be decentralized, suggesting forms of anarchy. We surmise that anarchism is making a comeback. But would we want this? For many, the philosophy is still associated with Molotov cocktails, smoldering cars, bad graffiti. What's to be embraced? What's to be left behind? Before we begin, I'm compelled to paint a picture of our setting. This episode was recorded at Two Fellas Brewery in Berlin's Pankow neighborhood. Mike, the owner, was a gracious host who welcomed us into his beer garden, where he promptly ordered pints to combat the July heat wave. Though he couldn't participate, Mike asked me nonchalantly whether Jesus was an anarchist, and then turned and walked away, or disappeared in a cloud of malt dust, I can't remember. It's important to note that, quaint as it is, the Two Fellows Beer Garten is located directly under a flight path of Teagle International Airport, and, much to my delight, the roaring jet engines functioned as a surprise experimental element, providing fodder for subversive thought. But safety is less freedom. It's even in, in the belt in the car, so you're safe, but you cannot move. So it's yeah. Okay. If you come to anarchy now, the, the more freedom, the, the more responsibility, and the harder it can get. Yeah, that's something I came across. I think it was a comment on a YouTube video. It's easier to exist under authority. Only if you didn't take re the red pill. Only if you didn't. Yeah. And it's easier. Once you took it, it's gonna explode your brain. Yeah, well. Because you then have a mindset of freedom and you have to suffer un under non freedom. Yeah, I mean, any political philosophy or way of life, people aren't ever going to agree on, on just one. In a way, I think that's, that's the beauty of anarchy. It, it sort of opens the playing field to, for, for one to exist as they wish, um, so long as they aren't committing any acts of violence. Basically, they're not hurting anyone else. And uh, I mean, I have a, an example here from, yeah, Noam Chomsky. Anarchism is nothing more than a tendency in human development that seeks to identify structures of hierarchy, domination, authority, and others that constrain human development and subjects them to a reasonable challenge. Justify yourself. So all these authorities, why do they exist? Why? You know, what are they protecting us from? Yeah. And uh, if they can't do that, it should be eliminated, plain and simple. And that goes for jobs as well. If there's a company that exists and we see that it doesn't really contribute anything to society, then, you know, it's just there to perpetuate the idea of work. But that's uh, what's happening. Yeah, it is what's happening. But, you know, this is why we're having this discussion. The more it's talked about, the more people see that there, there is a way out of the cage. And it's through collaboration ideas especially ideas that's what pushes all this forward forward ideas are, that's complete strength but um i want let's try to understand what an, or define anarchy because i think anarchy is a primal state that we have once we're born or because what is nature is nature anarchy mm. or mm. it is because there aren't any so dominating controlling forces Ever, uh, yeah? It's just, it, it exists, it grows, 
It, uh, I mean, and this is sort of an abstract analogy, nature, but not really. We are nature. We just happen to have powerful minds. Yes, but is nature ever fair? And is nature ever respectful in their in the, in its deeds against others? No, no it's survival not. of the fittest and, and, and the and the and the strongest. Yeah. And I think this is how, why it keeps anarchy and keeps freedom, because. I think this is already maybe the wrong way to think we can have anarchy by serving everybody, the weak and the strong. I think this is a contrast in itself that's not true. That's why it never worked, because people were thinking, oh, we have energy, that means we respect each other's rooms, we respect each other's spaces and everything. It's not true. It's, it's survival of the fittest. But it doesn't mean it's ugly and bad. It just means that it just expects from everybody to rise to their highest self and not slack off like our generation and our time people are doing. I myself, I'm, I'm, I'm to blame myself. I'm a big slacker because I'm a child of this generation. And now even I feel, I'm, and, I feel and I'm not only me, but my generation, many people that I know, and even on TV, wherever you see people get lost because they we fell into this time where it was set, we, we were so I like it to call we're born in this cotton ball from every side it's soft and easy and there's no hurting now we cannot even train ourselves somewhere to become strong or anything and it's gonna bite us in the ass and it is biting many people in the ass and it's biting society in the ass politics that's why right-wing politics winning in Europe, especially Europe, is this big cotton ball floating around in the world between Russia and America all the time, mm -hmm. never knowing, no spine, not knowing what to do, sometimes friends with Russia, sometimes with America, now America and Russia getting friends, Europe doesn't know where to be, but that's because there's no spine, there's nothing hard, there's no, and this is also in the individuals, and It's biting our ass badly. People yeah. just don't see it to the full extent, what, what is happening. You're definitely overstimulated. <laughs> I am, I am. And as long as people are focused on eye candy, shiny distractions, anarchy, this, or this idea of any, any kind of revolution, or not even revolution, because we don't need a revolution. We just need people to come together over ideas. What we're doing here, for example, or these sort of collaborative think tank, dream tanks, and I must say this is where I feel a bit cynical. I don't think that this is powerful enough to overcome the shiny Netflixy kind of uh, the podcast. Now. You know, uh, go to go to Berghain. Yeah. MDMA kind of distractions but I don't want to be cynical about this I, I want to f and I think you know is it is it sorry, we just, we yeah. uh, sorry I just wanted to finish by saying yeah, we, yeah, we have sorry. to get away from the academic standpoints because most of what's happening right now in this realm is in academia or in, the, in those circles among professors the older generation um, not to say that they can't be that they're not effective they're of course here to teach us and mentor us and and, and whatnot but It's, all, it's also about engaging the younger generation, yes, the, the next the generation. Only the younger. And the, the problem is what you said is right. Um, thought is important and thought festivals, but it's all very important. But if there's no action following, there's no, there's no meaning to it. So thought is nice. And that's, why, that's what's happening. Everybody is living and thinking, ha, oh, it's so nice. Gender equality. Uh, every payment equality, everything equality, we are all just fluffy, fluffy. But the reality is not there. And you can live and just believe in it and then bring out the thought, or you can fight for it. And fight for it is something completely else than just being there. Because being like floating around, this is what, this is what's happening. This is what the left that is now everywhere. And, and I, I thought it was only happening in America, the whole left fascism, but it's not. I just learned it's the same here in Germany. I call them now gender fascist generation uh, because they're forcing... So there's really a thought censorship going on, which is crazy. And, and it's going on under this cover of we, everybody's free, democratic, but you're not allowed to have a, uh, an opinion that is not 
in their in their eyes free and democratic. You're not allowed to to have any other opinion than the one they fight you, and this is what's going on. Look how they're fighting Trump uh, with what dirty methods. The ones that are on this high horse saying we're democratic, we're respectful to everybody. They're fighting with the dirtiest methods somebody who stands for a whole public of people who are thinking the same. Why don't these people have the right to think that way? Now the argument will, will come in, in our heads. I, I know I, I, I used to use this argument myself, but these people don't know what's good for them. This is what the left upper class intelligence things in, in their heart they're like yeah but these people they're workers they're down there they just don't know what's good for them that's why they think that way they're not educated that doesn't matter they're the mass they're living they're existing and if you don't give them what they want they're gonna start killing you like in the French Revolution that's what's gonna and it's happening yeah they did it and now this other this left democratic side does not once look into the mirror to understand what they did wrong still blaming facebook whatever and then also fighting with the dirtiest methods trying to like this is the president of your country the stuff that people are saying about this is still the president of your country that you're you're insulting not a individual person you're insulting an institution that you're of part that you're part of so that means you have no self-respect for yourself and it's the same here and i never knew that but it's unfortunately it's completely the same here there's no there's no respect for anything and it's just ridiculous uh, really it's on an ideological level a societal level i think people are just so sick of a system that's uh, that that is outdated that they are not give a shit attitude is uh, a cry for help for renewal nobody's really delivering it everyone's just, everyone's crying left and right and and nitpicking and magnifying issues small or large this a lot of this anxiety can be directly linked to the the, so, the socio-economic social political climate of our of our generation mm -hmm. of our times Absolutely. it's the age of escapism yeah. and it's in every it's starting from virtual reality we're developing technology that is, brings us away we're taking drugs that bring us away we're watching we produce and watch so much tv and tv show netflix yeah, and like binge that's watching that that's, that is even a term i mean i do it myself i'm not I'm not excluding I myself but it's it's there it's and why am I, why because i'm escaping the hardship yeah. of this life and it's 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 crazy and even i mean I, as i said I, i've done all those things and i've stood there with md full of mdma in front of a dj and then once i i got clear i look around and these people they're zombies i mean it's all nice once you're on it ah, it's so fun it's full of love but it's not real love because they only can love once they're on this drug yeah. And if you look like from afar on this crowd of people looking one direction and then doing this, what does it remind you of? Another TV show called Walking Dead. Yeah. It's the <laughs> same. It's like, it's this, it's this, it's no soul. Because soul is also sometimes fights and whatever. And hmm. where are the gladiators of our time? Hmm. Only the football players. But it's play. It's not life yeah. or death. And it's yeah you're so now i got you i'm I just i got like three different doors open in my mind <laughs> we definitely we shouldn't revert to puritanical way of life because that that also led to a lot of undesirable effects and a lot of this work ethic stuff has to go as well i think for hundreds of years We've shaped a society around this idea that work is a virtue, you know, and that one must be as productive as possible until their head hits the pillow at night. And nowadays, in fact, it's a badge of honor to be able to say that. Look how much I work today. I'm exhausted. I did so much. You know, pat me on the back. Yeah, yeah it's just another way of making slaves. Yeah. So Because now people, you cannot, like, hit them now, so you're going to, like, psychologically bound them to you. Yeah, it's the same ring. Especially if, if, you're, if someone has a bullshit job that literally doesn't make any difference in the world or even to yeah, the company or whether or not you do it. Which is a large percent. To do something for eight hours a day that you know in your heart and soul doesn't contribute at all to, the, to society or the company. Yeah. I mean, okay, there's, you can, yeah, that's true. 
and um, that led many people to depression but okay you can there's this way to see okay but I'm we are all one and we are part of just a big thing that is just developing and I'm just doing my part in it and and like it's a part I don't know this part is just a little part but it's it's the right little thing in the right corner that is just moving it in front you can explain like that but it's not it it's true it's not enough but do you think anarchy will free you from that from work i don't think so that's what i'm saying look at nature you will have to hunt for your food i don't mean in the sense that anarchy will bring total rural states of being but i mean you will have to work it's just going to be different because you know you work for yourself yeah and that's better in my opinion i would be happy to farm my own vegetables brew my own beer but that's <laughs> do you think so i, I would i would because i know so this is and you can do it yep i would i would real, i would not want to work for a company like monsanto uh the, then again it would not be a bullshit yeah that would not be a bullshit job though so i have to retract my statement there it might be not but moral, i would but not want to people. work for their it team Uh, changing cartridges on a printer that no one uses, you know, or something yes, like that. Uh, yes, though Which, you could still say, but it's part of the company. I'm, I'm a wheel in the big, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's like it's your, it's your view of it. But I do think it would be okay though if we all had our own little uh, communal living spaces, and it sounds very utopian, but it's completely achievable. And the work we did was, in, in a sense, self-reliance or contributing to a community or made some felt difference. But that know. will bring war. Look, no it, because because if you think, okay, everybody should be like a self-sustaining little community, people will fight o about land. This is what they did in the Middle Ages. This is what they did. So there were these little communities here. Germany is this very wonderful example. You had yeah. these kingdoms and they were fighting which is with each other all the time because there were little kingdoms and you need space you, because you, that's the nature of, of everything but especially of human beings to expand so once you you've worked your land you, ha you you come up with the idea oh if i had a little bit more land i could work even more and get more you know this is the nature of humans so and then the other one has to be strong enough and then there's fight so the question is are you ready to fight i don't think this will happen though no. i think this is where we should have more faith in humanity I think we need to fight. You think, I think we need to fight? Yes, I no. think we need to fight and kill. Because this this is what makes us noble creatures. <laughs> and it's... Here I am again provoking thoughts. But this is what makes us noble. This, what we have now, does not make us noble. It makes us weak, spineless and more or less. Look at the people around. They criticize meat eaters. They criticize um, all companies who are bad for the environment, but they are the ones who are flying the most in their life. Yeah. It, it, it has been shocking me for the, I don't know, maybe for the past almost 20 years since I started to think and I started to see it in my school. I had this one girl especially, she was so green. She was so green. Her, her mother was in a, green, a grüne, green, green party. She was all about the environment. Once she got turned 18, she got her own car and she started driving her 10-minute walk to school. And I asked her about once, why are you driving? I got the most aggressive response. Are you criticizing me because I'm driving now? I, I wanted to say, yes, I actually am, because you were screaming about uh, uh, people using too much gas, and now you're too lazy to walk this 10-minute walk. Yeah. Uh, to, to play right off of that, uh, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. It's praxis. That's what, what anarchists would have to do, or anyone spouting some ideological rhetoric. You really need to back it up. We're not just organizing around ideas. We are putting them into action. There is a lot of hypocrisy. I agree with you on that. But regarding human nature, we are evolving. We're always evolving, and yeah. of course, I also, so, I'm not. I'm not that cynical person in my yeah. heart. We're always evolving. It's everything. Even the bad ones are part of God and creation. And and I'm very spiritual about that. But I'm just thinking, how can we now get a better turn? But sorry, I interrupted. No, it's okay. We we are evolving, and our consciousness is evolving. And I think with technology consider the internet it's only 20 years old iphone 10 it's it's messy right now but we should be thinking about the next 10 or 20 years and how we can utilize technology 
and how it alters consciousness, how it how it connects us in all these different ways. How can we leverage all that? Yeah. That's a good question. It's a good question. And, and, and maybe apply. Can these, technology these help us to finally get into this perfect anarchy state? Yeah. Maybe this was missing before. Don't, don't, don't you're making her aggressive. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is nature. If you take her space, she's gonna. This finish. is not her space. This is communal space. <laughs> well, now go she away, is, fucking wasp. She, yeah, she has a right to be there too, though, about wasps. I'm not sure. Wow. Alina took the reins right out of the gate criticizing the tenuous behaviors of millennials and Gen X slackers as a fundamental crisis that inhibits real movement in the anarchist realm. Our freedoms have been taken for granted. There's a higher plane to reach, but we are by large too sedated. This is of course her broad-scale analysis, but she ultimately concluded that our great need for escapism comes from the fatigue brought on by political disarray, censorship of speech, and immorality among others. Our episode sparked in a backwards fashion, beginning with the call to action. Alina continued, craving a primitive sort of passion, something, anything that evokes feeling, and it would now seem that our anarchy theme ties in, the desire to feel in control, free from the tyranny of politics, media, and existing structures that seem to spin us like unwilling hamsters. I argued that the lackluster, hot-air nature of our times wasn't simply due to a loss of morals, referencing the Puritan movement with all its religious framework which eventually invoked a slave-like existence of toiling, oppression, guilt. Continuing on, a pure-blooded anarchist or even armchair anarchist often imagined sustainable communities, which is where we ended part one of our discussion, how much faith do we have in humanity? Now, this is a fundamental query if we are to self-govern and coexist as self-governing individuals. Hodgkinson goes on to say that politics is not the art of running a country. It's the art of persuading the people that they need a set of paid politicians to run the country. Yes, yes. My statement is there's no democracy without war. Mm. There, like, I, there is an idea of democracy and I believe it can be true but it will never happen without war. Mm. Never. Mm. And we are living now, we've been living since the last war, we've been living in a democracy without war, here, Western civilization, let's say. And look where it's going. It's, it's not going the right direction. Because we forgot that we fought for the democracy. And our generation, the one younger, they grew up only in this freedom, so they take democracy for granted, and it's wrong. And I don't. And by that, I don't even mean fight the terrorists, fight Islam, but fight anything. Just fight. You have to fight. I will be called rel relativist, but I don't even say Islam way of living is wrong. There are different way, ways of living. I believe that. Just stand up for one thing you believe and fight for it. Mm. Otherwise, you don't believe anything. People have to feel also that there's there's something to to fight for. They have to feel it within. Yeah. Yes. I believe this will happen once we eliminate fear. This is the we are held down by fear. It's fear is controlling us, and the whole system is built on fear. And and it comes down even to fear of death. Once we come around this. There can be better. There can be better things. Yep. And it's even fear of missing out. If you are fearful, then you are unlikely to riot and very likely to work hard and spend hard. Yes. Fear keeps us. Whilst keeping up the idea of democracy, freedom, <laughs> and tolerance. Fear keeps us observing life rather than living it. Yes. TV, cars, cars keep life at a distance. Something to be looked at rather than lived. The view from the sofa, the view of the beauty spot glimpsed through the windscreen. The profits of fear are considerable indeed. Fear is a tool of control. It is fear of life itself that keeps us spending. Complaining, complaining endlessly about everything, but too full of fear to do anything about it. Absolutely. Complaining of everything, that's a good thing. And complaining removes power uh, from, from, from ourselves as individuals. Mm -hmm. So when we complain, we're basically saying that we have no control. Yes. This is of something else. outside of us. Somebody this, else. Yeah. It's just Trump. It's Trump. It's Trump. Mm -hmm. It's politics. What we need are good ideas. I want to come, to come back to that. Noam Chomsky, who is a self-professed 
anarchist. We shouldn't be looking for heroes, we should be looking for good ideas. Yes. That's Chomsky. And I think that's almost what we everyone... get our asses up. Yeah, and I, but I think everyone is looking for a leader. They're looking for... Because we're so accustomed to that. Mm-hmm. We have those appointed leaders like presidents already, priests. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that is the structure that, that we've existed in for so long. Yeah. And it is happening, but we really do need to be moving towards communal models of power. Yeah and influence and, and idea yeah. generation. And yeah, but in a, com- in a small community, everybody has to work. And people don't want to. Well, and also they wanna, they wanna have benefits, they wanna have, you know, they wanna, they don't wanna work. In a small community, everybody, it's like a startup. A startup is always hands-on. Because everybody has to do everything because there's no, not enough money to just sit around and do one thing. Yeah, or time. When people are working. But people... People are working all... Uh, they, if you work all day, the last thing you want to do is is come home or go to a, even a meet-up like this and talk about these sorts of subjects. You're tired. You want to go home and watch Netflix or hang out at the park at uh, or Temple of But are you? are you? I'm not. But many people, but, it seems. I mean, just make it your... like. I mean, I have it myself, but it's also it's like infiltrated. It's like learning you. It's like, oh, it's good weather. I should do something fun. Why and who said that? Maybe you, maybe it's not your time to do something fun. Maybe it's t- your time to work. It is. I mean, I, I of course, it, that sounds great to sit in a park. But I mean, come on, how many times can you do that or go to yes, a bar? The next hipster. Question. This is. There are people who do that every day, yeah. and they're not tired. Of, I've done that for a year in Berlin, and I'm tired. Yeah, it gets old. I'm so tired. I want to move away because I don't see anything else happening here. Yeah. You know. On the one hand, I want to get away from it, but I understand that that means get up, go to work, take responsibility, stop partying, stop leisuring, stop slacking off, and it scares me to death at the same time. Though I know I have to do this because I'm bored out of my mind, yeah. at the same time, once it comes, the decision comes closer, I get scared. And I think a lot of people the same way. Well, it's scary making a decision like that because essentially you are willingly stepping into a new yes. version of yourself a new skin yes, and you're letting you go of know. the past yes. it's a it's a yes. death of sorts yes. and you you're letting go of a very easy past mm. it's like you're letting go of mama's hand um we are just old children that's what we are yeah. really it's yeah yeah I, I really i admit myself it is so scary to let go of this lifestyle i i think there needs to be more um, mentor mentorship around the idea of growth. Yes. And we, we shouldn't be afraid to grow and change and think yes. new thoughts and, and yes. attempt new things. Yes. And in a sense, that's overcoming fear because essentially what we're yes. most afraid of as a species is, is death. Yes. Our own mortality keeps us shackled uh, in a sense to ways of life, of existing that we've outgrown. Simply, you know, for no other reason than to to feel like we're somehow still attached to our youth. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm in the same same position. I, I it's fun to sit around in, in hipster bars in, mm. in Berlin and and, and to it's just also exist. So and, boring, and it's, <laughs> right? It's this kind of dull contentment, right? And I think, yeah, this really has to uh, to change. But it's it has to be a very conscious, cultural, collective shift that. There has to be something else that overrides all of the distractions and all of the the, the, the sense of meaninglessness. You're looking yeah. for outside. You can go. You can do it yourself. You have ways. You can like. I'm not meaning you especially, well, no, no, but no, no, like we, we are doing it. But I think there, there there needs to be something. But this, it's either it's either I don't know. Getting children, and then you're like irresponsible. You have a real responsibility, or if you don't want to do that, you go. I don't know, Africa, whatever. Help out. Just you know, but that's that's it. It's just you have to start thinking less about yourself, and it's yeah. so hard to do, and, and and a lot of people don't want to do it. I'm just, it's so gloomy. I know it's so negative but sometimes you need to you know even that because this is the other problem we have we're not willing to talk to on a wonderful night with 30 degrees 35 degrees we're not willing to sit around talk such uh, hard topics no i agree it's painful 
we have to wade through the darkness a bit to see where we, you know, what, what we're dealing with here. Turn on a few lights in the darkness, maybe we should say it that way. We have to shine a light on, on, on our weak spots and, and on the fear itself. Yes. You know, I think of it as airing out. We have to air out the fear. Um, that's a very German <laughs> way to look at it, right? Let's air, let's air out the room. Yeah. Um, Luft, Luft. Luft, yeah. <laughs> Starting off this previous segment, I began by citing Tom Hodgkinson, founder of Idler Magazine, a direct challenge to the so-called Protestant work ethic that typically ties in anarchistic lifestyles in the form of inspired leisure and self-sufficiency. I quoted his book, The Freedom Manifesto, which calls out fear itself as counteractive to an individual's true freedom. If you are fearful, then you are unlikely to riot and very likely to work hard and spend hard. Fear keeps us observing life rather than living it. So we could think about the TV, cars, sofas, office chair, anything that involves staying in place, comfortable as it may be. Complaining is easy. We'd established all of the flaws that prevent anarchist action, but had yet to do what we claim to do, deconstruct anarchy. Alas, fear was the favored second round motif. This recording session was, by large, at this juncture, more about the personal and societal blocks towards overcoming oppressive hierarchies than it was about anarchy itself. And perhaps that's what's most needed. We all have our utopian visions. The shelves and YouTube servers are riddled with them. Is this all in vain? Please, Doc, say it ain't so. Plainly put, shit. Well, getting back to the... One more thing about fear. Well, I love this, we have to say it again. The anarchy is about the creative spirit fighting the cowed spirit, and the battle has to start within ourselves. We need a... I don't want to say revolution. That word has just been beaten to death here, but... <laughs> we need something... Some spiritual... Movement... Anarchy is from the, comes from the inside, never from the outside. Is that something you read, or is that no, just, just you're, you're just summarizing it? Just summarizing, but I'm trying. I want to now etymologically understand mm. if it's true by analyzing yeah. what anarchy actually means in the word as a word. Even here, Tom Hodgkinson says revolution's merely a form of reform. We need to go more radical more extreme than revolution. We need to go one step beyond. And the straightforward answer is to concentrate on ourselves and on local change. In short, we need to set a good example. Yes, we have to start with ourselves. That's, that's it. By not acting for ourselves, we allow others to act for us. Yes. In being in nothingness, Sartre says that it's no use sitting around moaning about your life because yes. that is to abdicate responsibility Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. In the existentialist world where life is absurd, you may as well create your own life. We are radically responsible for the creation of our own lives. And he goes on to quote Tolstoy. People construct this terrible machine of power. They allow anyone to seize it who can. They slavishly submit to him, and then they're surprised that evil comes of it. Yeah, so it might be wiser to create our own societies alongside the current system and simply do our best to ignore the thing altogether. Oh, what do we think about that? Just kind of quietly start by by yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And start eventually it takes yourself. over because everyone is doing it. Yes. And it was never. There's no hashtag for yes. it. There's no like this yes. is our revolution. Yes. No. The revolution, oh, like revolution in the sense we understand now, always comes from the top. Never came from the, down. Russian Revolution did not come from the poor people who it was for. Mm. Came from the um, blue-blooded people. <laughs> Who had nothing to do no revolution came from from because it's too intellectual people on the bottom they just fight for survival they don't think about ways of politics or whatever but change like real change comes from inside mm. and i believe it starts with admitting the truth and looking into the abyss mm. just look in, down there start looking start thinking that way don't be scared of the thoughts, even if they scare you. Don't be scared of yourself, of your animalistic self. This is the other thing. We are scared of our animalistic self. We condemn ourselves for our basic animalistic needs. And so we lie to ourselves that we don't have them, but we do have them. So accept that and live it. And then try to fight from within the system I don't know 
Oh, we're looking for the anarchists. Ah, oh, awesome. Found us. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. That's cool. Once you come earlier, we went to another Mühlenstraße. Hello. Hello, nice to meet you, Steve. Hi, Elina. Nice to meet you. Cheers, by the way. Did you get a beer? Hi. Nice. Is that a tropical? Cheers. Cheers. Uh, the saison. Cool. Sorry, did we interrupt your recording? No, it's okay. We just see we've covered a lot. Yeah, but we can start again now yeah. with fresh thoughts. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, what what do you mean by 2.0? Like, what's the because it's we know it from like web 2.0 where the way we use the internet changed a lot. So, well, first and foremost, 2.0 is just a kind of... <laughs> we don't like it that much. It's, or me it's kind of an... It's just to get... Almost like, it's a little What dead. needs fixing? <laughs> yeah, what needs fixing, right? I mean, that's basically what it. What needs we, to be programmed well, now? This, what app do we need next? <laughs> yeah, this is almost just a... Um, the idea of 2.0 is to get people thinking about the next version of something. Mm -hmm. So it already puts us in a sort of frame of mind to think beyond what has already been established. Okay, so there are, are already preconceptions about what anarchy is. Typically, unfortunately, it's associated with chaos, <laughs> unruly chaos, you know, Molotov cocktails. Mm -hmm. There are Hollywood films that have been released, like The Purge. And that's... I've uh, actually seen that. No, it's... So one day a year, people are allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And they end up going out and just committing okay. all these atrocious acts of violence. Okay. But I mean, in the common parlance, anarchy means... Usually Chaos. something negative. Yeah. yeah. Yes, What's going on? This is anarchy. And part of when Elmo and I first got to talking, I was like, why is anarchy the latest? So, because we were talking about all these different biological theories mm. and theories in cognitive science, and it was like neuroanarchism, that's what we need. Kind of um, data and theory driven approach that we need to self empowerment. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, but if you call it neuroanarchism, everyone's going to think that's something that you probably don't mean. Like, they probably want to hear individual self-empowerment or something else, you know? I mean, there are probably lots of ways of phrasing the ideas and principles of anarchism in a different way that will make them more uh, palatable to the general public. And one thing I think that could be related also to... Uh, sort of renewal uh, within more modern conceptual frameworks is talking about anarchism in terms of self-organization mm. um, because of course what people have been struggling for historically under the label of anarchism has not been chaos uh, but has like the ability of the majority of the people to organize and determine their lives themselves mm. without being ruled uh, and without so to speak, having order imposed from above. Yeah, bottom-up versus top-down. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's the conclusion we came to. Initially, we're, tr we're trying to figure out some requirements, or do you say requirements, or whatever you need, that anarchy could work. I think, yeah, you say, like, mo most, mostly anarchy is perceived as this bad thing, chaos, not working, and so on, but on the other hand, there are many people who have this utopian view of it, right? And the question is, what would be the prerequisites for that? What would be the requirements? And what would we really need to do to achieve that it's not just ends up in chaos and death and whatever? Yeah. Sort of Hobbes versus Rousseau. Yeah, I mean, isn't it for like example, in man and left to his own devices, on the one hand, lives in an idyllic utopian society at peace with nature at one with nature at one with other man versus man left to his own devices is a, a savage villain yeah. is, is a but that's i mean we started with that where like my question was i mean let's say we we look at it like like this that man left to himself is, is bad and, 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 and archaic is that a bad thing And coming from a lot of philosophy of biology and philosophy of cognition, and in particular, I, I have a sort of lengthy background in like the evolution of human unique mentality, including some evolutionary psychology and studies of human cognition as, as an evolved phenomena. From that background, I've come to distrust any theory of context-invariant human nature. 
as though there there were a a human nature that existed as some primordial static un, unchanging unchangeable context independent structure or behavioral repertoire or something and i think i think most people who who've put the thought in have come to regard that it's kind of fallacious that that it's always contextual you know right and and there there are forms of statelessness or lawlessness or bottom up driven human organization that could be really bad but there are also forms of that that could be really good and positive and um so it's about establishing what what context we're capable of creating that's that's good for that and whether a state as a as a top down regime of power is 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 the best sort of context for that yeah um so we really came down we broke it down to fear and just trying to overcome fear and i think that you know that seems to be a major hurdle to uh yes i think it's also we um what, what you say this top down is we accept it and we accept it as the truth because we were led to believe that we are bad inside and but already the this labeling of bad and good who came up with that if a, if a lion kills his um, the, the the children of his Infanticide. Yes, uh, and he kills all his children and makes them his own. Sorry for the simple, uh, uh, simple language, but so he comes, he kills all the fellowship of, of the lion that was ruling before, and then he makes his own. Oh, children he kills infanticide of all of the members. Of yes, the, yes. So the pride the children, before yeah. he and, yes, yeah. because he wants to reproduce his genes. Yeah, so because he's the stronger, he won. Yes, that's Shit. how it lies. So when it's lies, like very mild compared to the rest of nature. Nature's yeah, very fucked yeah. up. But that's a question. That is a label. Is nature fucked up? Or is this how it is? definitely fucked up. <laughs> I'm honestly not so concerned about the question of human nature. I think it's sort of a non-question because the humans that are, who are alive today, they are all um, socialized within specific cultures and specific social relations and contexts and so on and value systems. So the idea of human nature doesn't really have to concern us because it only exists like in, in theory, in a vacuum. Um, and on the other hand, if you think about how our thoughts about human nature would inform whether or not we are support the current regime or whether we think that we should overthrow the state of things in order to build something better. I mean, at every point in history, the people who are defending the regime have said that this is just in accordance to human nature. I mean, feudalism was supposed to be in accordance with human nature and so on. So basically... And there's sort of like a uh, there's sort of like a weird habit of thought that sort of liberal mainstream culture uh, ingrains in in us, in our upbringing and in, in the media and so on. And it's that um, whatever happened in the past in terms of revolution, we think is very good. But what happens right now, we think these people are terrible and they're just burning cars. And Germany has a collective emotional breakdown of 12 cars are burnt. Um, <laughs> But the fact that you have a 40-hour week of work and the fact that women have access to birth control, all of these were fought for by people who broke the law very deliberately and very regularly and had to suffer uh, repression by the law in order to win these rights that we enjoy today. And that also the, the same people who today are outraged at any form of illegal protest accept as completely normal and sort of to them there's there's a weird like emotional connection where the the rights and the liberties that were won through struggle against the system are felt to be sort of an organic part of the same system that prevents and criminalizes the struggle for bettering the lives of the majority basically we were joined by two others here, and I'm not sure whether they'd like to be named. I personally appreciate the mystery of an unknown voice. With their arrival, however, we reached the deconstruction part of our episode, examining the term anarchy and all its negative connotations. 
Is it possible to rebrand anarchy and overcome the unfortunate stigma set by Hollywood films like The Purge? How about self-organization? Self-governance? Self-something? Our group agreed that it is possible to have bottom-up driven societal structures, although the question of human nature lingered. A person left to their own devices is… good, bad, good, bad? We tossed around a bit, ultimately concluding that a dark side may exist, but we have evolved into creatures of culture and sociability, and as with electrical wiring, these structures provide grounding. Furthermore, we all agreed that anarchy and forms of upheaval and protest have typically paved the way for rights and freedoms that we now take for granted. But of course, this is always a matter of hindsight. It's easy to see how the pieces fit after the puzzle has been completed, but never when everything is scattered and when tear gas is spilling into alleyways. Do you feel that there is struggle or fight against the system in our days? Is there any? I mean, there's any? definitely a lot. Um, And the question of what you see is also interesting. Um, for example, the, you have lots of people nowadays who are, com are complaining about filter bubbles, especially if you read like a normal newspaper, you read the online version of a normal newspaper, they will be complaining that on Facebook people just see what they want to see, they like the pages, they tell them what they want to hear, and so people are only, they only see a very specific view of the world. Um, but of course, that was the case before as well, only that the, what they saw of the world was what the newspapers that are big enough to be on the newsstand uh, show them. And this is the case. Um, so nowadays, uh, for example, I since I started using Facebook more and more in a way that is not sort of reduced to what it's intended for in a private sense or like showing people where you go on vacation or showing your friends what you've made for dinner. Uh, but instead I'm sort of connecting with people who I don't necessarily know in real life but who care about the same things as me I see a lot more for example resistance to the system going on like in Greece most of the of the really effective help for refugees is done by uh, by anarchists in Greece for example in Athens yeah they um, provide uh, space for them to sleep in squats and so on and they are very active in, in helping them um, and they get attacked by the fascists and so on But there's, there's lots and lots of things going on that you don't really hear about um, if you just listen to the radio or read the newspaper. On the one hand, I think that it's too easy to say that like the journalists lie to you. Like when you read, for example, you read Noam Chomsky about the media. I think the analyses are very good and he's on point with all the facts and so on. But it often sounds too voluntaristic. So it sounds like the journalists individually decide to lie to the people which doesn't really explain what's going on. It's more that they're, like journalists are people and they are embedded in a social context, but the social modernity is made of these units which are almost completely fictional and you have no sort of, as a human animal, you have no connection to a nation state, you have no connection to 18 million people. So whatever emotional connection you have is very manufactured, but you're still, you're still a mammal. And if you have contact every day with people who are, have similar sort of interests in their professional life and who have similar outlooks. They, you live in the same kinds of areas of the city and pay the same kinds of rents and so on. So as an animal, you, you bond with them and you have a very like deep, almost biological uh, solidarity with your milieu or your class, if you, if you want. Uh, and I think that's sort of what happens in, in journalism as well. I mean, there's definitely... Part of it is just the people who own the newspaper exerting pressure from the top for certain topics not to be discussed. And then sometimes you, they, will, they sit in their meeting room and you have an article which is critical of the police and then you have to fight for it. And sometimes maybe it gets into print, sometimes it doesn't. But the structures are in place that will definitely make your life more strenuous, that will make your life more, more of a fight within the system if you want to criticize It's, it's easy to get cynical about how we, as consumers, digest media nowadays, given just how quickly it's produced and consumed. You know, there's, there's no longer this expectation that you think about it all that much. Yeah. Like, I don't believe if you want to achieve a good anarchy, that emotions should play an important role. What do you think? Like, because I think... 
emotions goes down comes to fear fear is an emotion right it's 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 a first it's it's, it's an it's emotion a, yeah it's, it's, it's not a, all the emotions it's it's animal yeah but i mean it's it's a it's a thin line then if we if we believe oh we are emotional beings so emotions are important and so on i think rationality is a little underrated in our times and i think that it leads to problem and i believe it will lead to more problems we are too all about our emotions and not too much about rational and that's why this is how we're voting nowadays it's always like like you say like the news are produced in these short cycles but because i don't want to hear the truth so i just switch and it i, I, I it happens like i see my like it happens people don't stick like they used to stick i don't know they always used to stick but there was a time when they used to stick i am conservative so i am conservative that's it and but maybe it's a bet i mean but it could be viewed as a good thing that people like couldn't that be I, i'm not saying that it is in context but i think that abstractly that could be viewed as a good thing that people feel that they have the freedom to choose over the course of their lifespan that they're not they're not forced into towing the party line from birth to death with whoever their parents voted for i mean i'm not saying as it functions today it's necessarily good but i don't i don't believe much in abstract rationality that is i don't i don't believe much in the existence of some sort of rational cognition that's divorced from affective cognition i think affective cognition is is tied all the way up and all the way down with how we're conceptualizing of things how we're weighing options and i i think that um, that no individual could make decisions that were removed from their own personal interest and their own affective connection to those interests it's just about whether those are being harnessed and manipulated mm-hmm. by powers outside of the the conception of the individual who's being manipulated in that uh-huh. way i believe that the question is if we admit to ourselves that we that we make decisions like that like um because i'm a little bit brought up to believe i'm this rational being and i can divide emotion and 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 and, and rational decisions mm-hmm. then i live in this world that is completely manipulated or my emotions are manipulated let by advertising by everything i manipulate my emotions every day and then I, if i still mm-hmm. then believe that i can make completely rational decisions that's the question i think i i believe the rationalism comes when i first start to accept that i'm a, like a normal human being i think this is a little bit the idealistic view we have of ourselves and and humans that ah no but we we can divide this is what makes us be more emotional than when i would accept that i'm just a human being and that happens it's a more rational view in a way like i believe i think this is what's now we, we we want to be too good and we want to be and and we condemn the bad side in us so much um that we then become even worse in a way yeah and it's again this idea of of something you were saying earlier is like in nature where is good and bad where where is normativity what is the source of normativity well we all have this sense of the top down whether that's institutionalized or not there are plenty of kinds of top down abstract conceptions we have of norms that aren't being handed to us from the church and they aren't being handed to us from the government and they aren't even necessarily being handed to us from the education systems or our parents or our genes or our indoctrination by the media you know they just we just hold them as self-evident truths implicitly without ever explicit recognition or acknowledgement of that and um i think the idea that Elmo and i have been trying to develop both on our own and, and together is that normativity there is no bigger normativity like we create a gestalt whole of normativity that's top down but do we really want that because we all have to voluntarily participate and there are many of these which we are involuntarily unthinkingly participating in and helping to reconstitute all the time you as an individual agent always have the option of opting out of the larger 
abstract, floating-in-the-air consensus norms. And some of these we're going to decide to keep, and probably for good reason, right? But, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't lay them out on the table and think about whether or not we want to voluntarily continue to reconstitute those. So my philosophical training is, is predominantly from a philosopher called Dr. Daniel Dennett, um, and he has made popular an idea um, that she calls types of free will worth having. And he says, perhaps back in the day we thought that love was something that a cupid in the sky created by shooting an arrow into the hearts of lovers and causing them to gaze upon each other. Right? And now we say, no, 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 it's norepinephrine and whatever other suite of neurochemicals and you know we, we have a scientific explanation of that now but that doesn't mean love is any less of a beautiful divine wonderful phenomenon we have this idea of free will as omnipotence as i have total control over the world that is i have complete causal efficacy over the world and over the future and yet I'm causally divorced from all of the causal trajectories and the exigencies of the material universe that led up to this moment in which I make a choice, in which I act upon the world. That's not agency, that's not free will. Like that's, that's a very, I think, cheap and uh, poorly thought out conception of free will. And no, that doesn't exist. Right, because that would force us to cut the world at seams that don't exist. That would force us to reimagine the world in ways that are impossible. And yet, I think it's possible to conceptualize of agency of free will as a harnessing of the causality of the world, not as a divorcing the agent metaphysically from the causality of the world around you. And I think determinism as it's conceptualized of commonly is a fallacy, but it still makes points that we need to contend with, which is that our, our version of free will that we're talking about isn't causally divorced from the rest of the world. But sort of like addressing the materialist challenge to free will will not lead to fatalism and lead us to drop any notion of agency but on the contrary I think engaging and with the problem and developing an account of how it's possible that we exist as willful agents in a material universe will only strengthen our conception of what it means to will and what it means to act and also will enable us to develop stronger theories and stronger practices of Uh, empowerment. We want a robust, theoretically sound, scientifically motivated conception of agency or free will. A more adult one. Yeah, yeah. Not a fairy tale. The 2.0 slant. Free will. That next, next topic. Free will, that's great. As, as a I mean, continuing topic of anarchy, free will to dot zero. <laughs> Anarchists in Greece aiding refugees. Good or bad? Journalists catering to emotion. Good or bad? Rationality? Underrated? Free will? As we dove deeper into the abyss, our discussion became less about anarchist philosophy and more about, well, philosophy. But maybe for good reason. Without a strong understanding of what it means to be human, knowledge of our nature, behavior, responsibilities, we're building on shaky foundation We as individuals aren't enlightened, and if we aren't enlightened, we are, as author Tom Hodgkinson suggested, apt to be fearful and led by authority. So what does all of this boil down to? How might we guide anarchy forward based on the points of our conversation? Knowledge is power? Spend more time on Wikipedia? Sit in a park? Meditate? If anarchy means self-governance, then shouldn't we endeavor to become fit candidates? And what's to be said for collective effort? each of us becoming teachers of what we intuitively know. Hmm. Society is complex. For millennia, government has served to regulate and protect. It has been argued that humans are naturally competitive and acquisitive, and that feudalism is natural. But as we continue to move away from materialism and into a post-scarcity stratum, 
the validity of this notion will be increasingly challenged. Or what do you think, listener? And what about Jesus? Anarchist? He produced and served wine without a license, after all. Tausend Dank to our members for joining, to Mike and Rob at Two Fellas Brewery, savory beer as always, and to listeners everywhere. We are Enthusiasm.World. You could find us online at Enthusiasm.World, Facebook at Enthusiasm World, no dot, and on meetup.com in Berlin. Ciao, meine Freunde. <laughs>